right, tap your neighbor and say, I'm ready to hear the boy preach. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can we put our hands together again for all the volunteers and the helpers and all the people who make this happen every week? And uh, also, church, why don't we welcome those who are joining us online or watching by podcast or uh, video or whatever it may be. We just want to say it's great to have you uh, watching. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you visit one of our services. Church, why don't we say hello to those who are watching online. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's welcome them. Great to have you uh, joining us, whatever part of the world that is. And um, uh, today is part one of a two-part series that we have called, if you haven't guessed it already, We Are. Everybody say, We Are. We Are. are. A two-part series. And as we began the Connect Church journey just over a year ago, we have, of course, formed our vision statement. We talked about why we are here, what's our uh, purpose. We, we said that our purpose, of course, is as a church, is derived from God's purposes. We don't make up our own purposes. We, we look at what God says. What is God's purpose? And we derive our purpose from His purpose. And so our purpose as a uh, church is based on two things. If you remember, they are based on the great uh, uh, commandment and the great commission. The great commandment, of course, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like it, to love others or to love your neighbor as yourself. And it's also based on the Great Commission. That's where Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. In other words, reach people for Jesus. Tell people about the goodness of God. And so our purpose is derived from those two great uh, commandments, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And so from this, we get our vision statement, which we talked about earlier this year, which is we want to, what I hope you can remember, we want to connect people to Jesus and their purpose. That's what we want to do. We want to help people uh, find Christ. We want to help people connect to heaven. We want to help people connect to faith. We also want people to find their purpose, why they are here on planet Earth. This is what we are about. This is our vision statement. It's ultimately what we want to do. But in this two-part series, I want to talk about our values, or another way to put it is our DNA. In 2009, actually eight years ago, was the last time we spoke about this. The last time, I I know I was shocked when I looked back eight years ago, and I thought, it's time to do this again, because that time we were Meadows Church, and now we're Connect Church, and it's time for us to get a new DNA uh, uh, process, or at least a a, a new look, or, or look at who we are, our DNA, what is it like? And if you remember back in uh, 2009, because you've got such good memories, one of the things we did is we, we took a swab. We took a swab because, you know, DNA is used in crime fighting. And, and the reason people use DNA is because it's so unique. It's so, uh, uh, that, you know, there, there is just one you, you know, not 20, not 10, not two. There's just one you. And uh, again, this, as the same for the individual, the same for the church. The church is who we are because you're in it. There's no one else. T- t- turn to the person next to you and say, you're kind of special. You are. I mean, you really, you really are. And because you're part of the church, you make up the unique DNA 
of uh, the church. And so I thought, well, it was eight years ago that we took that, that swab. And, and, and so it's time to take a new swab. It's time to look at our DNA. So I've asked these two doctors and professional scientists now, they're going to take a quick DNA swab. All right, guys, go and do it. Come on, let them just, 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 you yeah, get, get, get Al's head there. Just take a DNA. <laughs> yeah, go. Where else, Rube? Get down, one from down the back there as well. We've got to get some DNA and find out what's going on uh, uh, here. We're finding out who they are. Come on, over this side, Reuben. Don't let's out this side. So Professor Shane is uh, getting ready to take us up. <laughs> I told him, don't mess up any ladies here. Whatever you do, don't touch ladies here. Don't touch there. That's why he's aiming for people with no hair, I think. I think what it is. All right, they're analyzing the uh, DNA right now. Okay, Professor, thank you very much. Okay, that's I have the right. Here, you can take the clipboard. I've got the DNA results. Give it up for the two scientists. <laughs> now, DNA, of course, stands for this. I can't even say it. It's too complicated. It's Stibroxy something. Yeah, it's that. It's what, that's what it is, DNA. Way too hard for a simple man like me to say, but my version of DNA is simply this divine natural attributes. It's, 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 it's who, that's way simpler, isn't it? And uh, talking about who we are. And, and, and to me, our DNA goes to the core of who we are. And the last time I talked on this, I, as I said, we used the crime fighting thing because it is, uh, uh, a un- DNA is so unique. And so now that our results are uh, in, and we have them here in front of us. Let's do a bit of DNA uh, analysis. And when we talk about our values or our uh, DNA, we are really talking about who we are. And for a church, our values are things that, that we hold in high regard. Our values are stuff that we say we, we are committed to. Our values are stuff that we say or that we think are important and and. Often our values are unarticulated. They're, they're assumed. They're, they're, you don't go around spurting out the values everywhere or talking about them. As I say, they're, they're, they're assumed. They're just, if you like, in the atmosphere, in the heart. They're part of another word for it is culture. They're just part of our culture. They're part of who uh, we are. Anita often describes this place and posts and stuff on Facebook as her tribe or as her uh, people. And each tribe has its own makeup or its own culture or its own way of doing things. And so so when we're looking at values, we don't always articulate them. We, 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 they're unrecognized until something rubs against them. Until something rubs against them the wrong way. And then you go, oh, that's, that, that's not us. You know, one of, the, one of the things I do as a, a, a new life leader is I get to uh, travel around churches around the nation. And, and, you know, each church is different. But as you go to different churches, sometimes they'll do things. And you go, oh, well, I wouldn't do that if I was part, if that was me, because that rubs against a value. That's it's not how uh, I would do it. They do it because that's their culture. That's their DNA. But there's something about doing it that way that rubs against a value. It's not always spoken. It's not always articulated, but it's just there. And you recognize it when you rub it the wrong, wrong way. And so here's something about culture you need to understand. We don't invent our values. We identify them. We don't invent our values. 
we identify them. And over the past eight months or so, we've been meeting as staff and leaders. We've done a vision night on analyzing, identifying our Connect Church DNA. And of course, we could have come up with 50 things. There were so many things you could uh, put in there, but we really wanted to get it down to five things. Everybody say five things. We wanted to get it down to five things that we felt really describe who we are. And so my hope is, as you hear them, that you would go, yep, I can identify that. I, I, that resonates with, uh, with me and as it does with, uh, I guess, everybody else. That's my hope as we walk through these over the next couple of weeks. And so here it is. Here's number one. Here's the first part of our DNA profile. This is something that we, we, we value, we think is important. And, and it's simply this, we are, everybody say we are, we are Christ-centered. Thank you for an amen, all four of you. I said, we are Christ-centered. We are to be a Christ-centered church. Now, can I, can I just say, say this? There are churches, again, with different cultures, different uh, uh, values or whatever, or things that they uh, want to do. There are some churches out there, and there's nothing wrong with it. They, they're doing their thing. They might emphasize, for instance, social justice. They want to be a church that's all about social justice. There are churches out there like that, and God bless them. That's what they're called to be. I, I, I say I commend them and, 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 and go for it. There are churches that want to be just about community. They want to reach their community, and uh, nothing wrong with that. We should, we should be ones who reach our community. Can I hear an amen? I mean, I think that's important. But for us, we've had to look at that thing and say, what is the most important thing? And for us as a church, we want to say that we are a church that wants to be Christ-centered. We want Jesus to be at the center of everything we do. So being Christ-centered, we would say, is our calling. Because we understand we did not choose Him. He chose us. We didn't, we, we, he, 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 he has called us. He has called us into his, into his kingdom, into His purposes. We, under, we understand it. And we want to say this. All that we are and all that we do is because of Jesus. Because of Jesus Christ. He is the vine and we are the branches. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it talks about Jesus saying, He is the Son, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Now, I want to say here, I, again, we could have put 50 things down. There are some things in here we could have, uh, could have put. People say, well, shouldn't prayer be a value? Or, or shouldn't love be a value? Or shouldn't all, and all those things are important. But can I say this? Those things are, are, are sort of given for me. They're in the Scriptures. They're in the Bible all, already. But, and here's the thing. If we're a Christ-centered church, we should want to pray. Can I hear an amen? If we're a Christ-centered church, we, we, we should desire to, to uh, uh, seek Him with everything that's within us. If we're a Christ-centered church, we then should love how Jesus loved. We want to be ones who would love God with our gain, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also would, would be ones who would want to love others. So we're not putting in the obvious. We're not putting it, you know, integrity might be another one. Integrity is important. But for me, integrity is a given. 
It's a given. You can't sort of have that. Like I say, you can put 50 things down. So we're trying to narrow it down just to five things. And I just can't think of anything more important than being Christ-centered. Absolutely. Jesus is the center. He is the hub, can I just say, upon which this wheel turns. At Connect Church, everything we do, we do it for Him. Everything we do, we do it for you. Amen. Come on, somebody. That, that's what we do. Everything we do, we do it for Him. That's why I don't have a problem. So, uh, you know, I, I talk to some pastors, and they have a problem asking for volunteers. They have a problem sometimes asking for finance, or they have a problem, uh, and those who say, oh, no, I don't want to put too much pressure. I, I don't ha- have a problem doing that, and the reason I don't have a problem is because, I, and I, I say it to, to our teams and stuff multiple times, when I'm asking you to do something, I'm not asking you to do it to help out Adam. I'm not asking you to do it to help out Anita. I'm not asking you to do it uh, to help out me so I can live a better life or whatever, whatever it is. When I ask you to help or when I ask you to sow or when I ask you to give, I'm asking you to do it for his sake, for his name's sake. I'm not asking you to do it uh, for me. Come on, somebody. Praise him. I'm asking you not to do it for me. We're doing everything for Jesus. I couldn't think of any other reason to do it. I don't want to do it just because we're doing church every week. I don't want to do it just because we want to pretty things up. Everything we do, Christ is to be at the center. He's the hub that makes this wheel turn. He is the, uh, it's He, not we. He, not we, that we are all about. And we want to give all praise and honor and glory to Him. Like I say, other churches, they might have different focuses. But for us, the first and most important thing is we want to be a Christ-centered church. Augustine, the great preacher, said this, he values not Christ at all, who does not value Christ above all. We have that saying back in the old days, he is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. He is to be the Lord of everything we do. He, not we is the center of all that we're doing at Connect Church. And it's important to me, and I know it's important to you, that we understand that together. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And come on, let's give Him some glory in this place. He is worthy. That's why we do this week in and week out. It's why we do it. We are Christ-centered. It's part of our DNA. The second thing we are, everybody say we are. The second thing we are is spirit-led. Spirit-led. We are to be a spirit-led people. And like I say, we didn't just come up uh, with this overnight. This is, this is things we've wrestled with, we've talked with, met with lots of uh, different people. But, but we, we just see this as a very important part of who we are. We are to be a spirit-led people. We are to be a spirit-led church. We would say this being spirit-led is, is our passion. We are passionate, passionate about it. The Holy Spirit, we understand, is our, is our helper, is our teacher, is our guide. In fact, in John 16, verse 13, Jesus said this, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. Friends, week in, week out, 
We will often stand up here and say, we don't just want to do religion. We don't just want to do church. We don't want to just come in here and do the same old, same old every, uh, every week. I, every, pretty much every week I remind the, uh, the teams as they meet, remember why we are doing this. We're, we're, we're not here, just as Helen said it again this morning, uh, uh, we're not just here to sing pretty songs or, 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 or nice songs. My desire is, I hope yours is too, is that we would have an encounter with God, that you would come in and go out different, come on, uh, come out and go out different than how you came in, that the Spirit of God would speak to you and and strengthen you and encourage you no matter where you're at in your life. That's why we'll speak about and believe for breakthrough and and believe for your miracle to to happen in that moment as God's presence fills this place. We desire to be a Spirit-led people. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, the Bible says, into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. We don't just want to do religion. We want to have an encounter with God. We believe he speaks. We believe he, he will direct and guide and lead us. And we're passionate. We're passionate about encountering the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. And we understand as a, as a, as a church, we, under, we understand the need for the Spirit to fill us. We understand the need for the Spirit to empower us. The great Bible teacher John R.W. Stott said this, Before Christ sent the church into the world, He sent the Spirit into the church. The same order must be observed today. We know that Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But in order to do that, he said, before you do that, wait. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to see the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he said this, Jesus said this, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Everybody say, wait. Wait for the gift. There was a gift that God was about to give, but wait for the gift my father promised. You have heard me speak about, and you have heard me speak about John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on in verse 8 and says this When that happens, you will receive power. Everybody say power. I'll say it like you believe it now. Power, come on. Power. It's the same dunamis, the same where we get dynamite. Uh, uh, from you will receive power. What for? When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Connect Church, we understand. We understand that we need the Holy Spirit to accomplish all that God has for us. That's a good place to say amen. Right there, we need the Spirit at work in and through our lives to accomplish all that God has for us. I love what A.J. Gordon said. He says, before the Spirit came, the disciples found it hard to do easy things. After the Spirit came, they found it easy to do hard things. Isn't that true? We see that in the, in the Bible. We see that in the Scriptures when the, when the Holy Spirit came. If you know that in the book of Acts, and in Acts chapter um, Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, 
They were all together in one place. And suddenly, I love the suddenly of God, when God moves in, in, in a moment. And suddenly a sound like a, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. I don't know about you, but I want to believe that God's Spirit would fill the whole house, that His Spirit would, would make a, such a difference, fill the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, not just on the professionals, not just on the pastors, not just on the, the holy people, or not just on that person who always helps old ladies across the road. He rested on each, come on somebody, he rested on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were those staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. You know, as a church, that's what I desire that the Holy Spirit would do. There's people come here who don't know Jesus, that they would hear him speaking in their language, in a language that they would understand. Maybe they've never been into church before. Maybe they've never come into a place like this before. But my desire is that we can, we can, as new people come, that, that as, as new people come into here, have perhaps never been to church before, that they would hear the Spirit of God speaking in their language, in a language that they can understand. We need the Holy Ghost, come on somebody, to be at work week in and week out in our church. But not just in the church, but in our lives. From a, Not just on our Sundays, but on our Mondays. Come on, on our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays at work, wherever we find ourselves. We know the power of the Holy Spirit transformed Peter's life. We know uh, just uh, 50 days before, a servant girl asked him, do you know, do you know this Jesus? He's like, no, I don't know him. And, and, and he even denied who, who, who you, know the, uh, you know the story, he, he even denied Christ. But here he is in this passage in Acts chapter 2, now preaching to thousands and thousands of people. And it actually tells us that 3,000 people, that's an older call, gave their hearts to Jesus uh, that day. What turned that man around from, from a chicken to, to suddenly this brave, bold guy? Well, he first of all had seen the risen Savior. He saw what was dead was now alive. But secondly, he'd been empowered by the Holy Spirit and a new boldness had come on. I pray in the name of Jesus today that a new boldness would come upon you, that you'd be ones who are so filled with the Spirit that your lives would be transformed, that you'd be able to reach your community around it. It says when Peter preached, they were cut to the heart. I want to believe that when you preach and when you share the gospel with people, when hurting people, wherever you are, that they would be cut to the heart and would open their hearts to receive all that God has for them. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. The church was birthed in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit came down. They were a spirit-led church. We desire to be a spirit-led church. And we need to understand and appreciate and experience the person and work of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. What does that mean for us individually, corporately? 
Well, for me, it just means sometimes you've got to do scary things. It just means sometimes you've got to uh, step, like I said a couple of weeks ago, if you want to walk on water, sometimes you've got to hear the voice of God and step out of the boat and start uh, getting on those type of things. So for me, well, what does it mean to be spirit-led? It means, it means stepping out of your comfort zone. It means doing something, sometimes stuff that, that, that might be weird, stuff that you, uh, might make you look weird. It means every, every service hearing what God is saying and and again, I've seen that. I shared this story a little, a few weeks ago about, again, we felt to do that series on success, only to have that dentist from the United States drive past the day before and go, hey, hey, I, I, feeling God say you need to go into that church tomorrow because I'm going to give you a word tomorrow. He turns up struggling in his business, struggling, knowing if he's really doing what God, uh, God wants him to do. At the end of the service, he's standing at the altar weeping like a baby and told me the story of how God spoke to him and he came in here. How does that happen? That happens when we're being led by the Spirit of God. I want us to be ones who are led by the Spirit of God to be able to hear, hear his voice. I told you last week how I heard his voice go about going to uh, India and the, uh, in the scripture, Matthew, I prayed, Lord, summer or, or winter, when do you want me to go? Christmas, do you want me to go in the summer holidays? Do you want me to go halfway uh, through the year? And I, I flicked open the Bible, Matthew, I found the scripture, Matthew 24, verse 20, if you, just in case you didn't believe me, it says, pray that your flight will not take place in winter. Pray They didn't even have airplanes back then. Uh, but, but pray that your flight will not take place in winter. Now, I understand you've got to have wisdom. I understand you've got to have wisdom. You can't always uh, go by that. But there, there was a sense that that is God. I, I, I know you've got to be careful and, uh, with all that type of stuff. Trust me, I tell people uh, to do that. It's like the one I've, uh, I've said it, you know, where you go into the uh, shop and go, Lord, where do you want me to go? And you pick up a Brazil bar and, oh, Lord, that's where. Yeah, but what if it had been a Mars bar, okay? It would have been something else. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful on that type of stuff. But we need... To be ones who are spirit-led, who allow his voice to speak to us, to allow his power. We also need his power to be at work uh, in us. I've seen in our church in India, and that it's now birthed many churches, it was birthed out of the, being led by the Spirit. By, by, by hearing what God was saying and, and speaking. And when Prem came to us and we were able to pray and it had a stomachache for, 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 I don't know, a million years or whatever, just had that stomachache and we were able to pray in the name of Jesus. And I'm sounding like I had great faith uh, when, he, when he did that, but I didn't. I was like, okay, I'll pray for your stomach and see what happens. But I prayed in the name of Jesus and suddenly he said, oh, praise God, I'm healed. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. And from that moment, he went out and started a church that now has 500 people. Come on, somebody. Get excited about that. That we're part of. We're, we've been supporting now for 20 plus years. 20 plus years. All that started by being led by the Spirit. We want to be a Spirit-led church. I want you to be a Spirit-led people. We need to see His power at work in His life. We need to be able to hear His voice speak to us. We need His gifts as it speaks about it in 1 Corinthians 12 verses 7 through uh, uh, 11. And we for sure need His fruit. Galatians 5 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. See again, this is why I don't need to put love and all that. It just covers that in the whole, whole thing. If you've got the Spirit, that should be part of the fruit that comes out of our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faith, 
meekness and self-control. You can find that in Galatians 5 verse 22. But we need to be a people of the Spirit. Otherwise, the Bible says we'll have a form of godliness, but no power. We'll lack power. I, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to have a form of godliness just doing religion week in, week out. I, I, I want to know God's power at work in our lives. The worship team can come. It's pretty important. And lastly, I would say this. We've got to remember that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not just a force. Luke, the force is strong with this one. He's not just a force. He's not some type of energy out there. We have to remember that the Holy Spirit is a person. If we're going to be a spirit-led church, we've got to remember that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force, not an energy. He is a he, not an it. He's the third person of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And because he's a person, listen, he can be grieved, Ephesians 4 verse 30 says. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit when we don't obey his voice, when we don't obey his leading in our lives. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it tells us, we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can, we, we can squash Him. We can, we, we can, he, he's, a, he's a gentleman. We can squash Him. But I want to say as a church, let us be ones who neither grieve nor quench what the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives. This is a part of our DNA. We are Christ-centered. One. Secondly, we are spirit-led. And three, we are going to have to come back next week to hear the other three things that make up who we are, that make up our DNA. Let's make Christ truly the center of our life. Let's be led by His Spirit in everything that we do. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? Before we finish, I just want to ask you here today, I want to ask you, are you living a Christ-centered life? I talked about Jesus being Lord. Is He Lord of your life today? If you're here and you say, Pastor, no, no, He's not. But, but, I, but I, I know right now that I need to make Him Lord of my life. I know right now that I need to get right with Him. Maybe you're even hearing His voice right now. He's tapping on the door of your heart saying, give your life to me. Give your life to me. Well, in this moment, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. An opportunity to say, yes, I, I need to get right with Him. I need to place you at the center of my life. I need you to be Lord of all. I need you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. If that's you, and you know you need to get right with God today. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer that 
just ask God to be King of our lives, to be Lord of our life. And if you want to be included in that prayer today, I'm going to get you, I'm going to ask for you to put your hand up real high, just saying, that's me, Pastor. Include me in that prayer. You might be going, well, man, I'm quite a bad person. You don't know how bad I am. And again, I say this every week. Friend, it's not about how bad you are. And I know this sets so many people free. It's not about how bad you are. It's about how good God is. That's what we're preaching here. The, the good news of Jesus Christ. The Bible is the good book, not because the people in the book are good, but because the God in the book is good. So if you need to know this good God, if you need to get right with God today, wherever you're sitting right now, would you be bold enough to put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. I need to get right with God here today. Thank you, sir, down the back. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Anyone else? You know you. Thank you down here. Anyone else? You know you need to get right. Thanks, guys. Anybody else? You know you need to get right. Thanks, way down the back. Hallelujah. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Today, I give my life to you. Lord, help me to follow you all the days of my life that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. If you've prayed that prayer today for the first time, as you go out, there'll be pastors with Bibles that you can grab and, and learn. If you've made a recommitment today, that's awesome. Allow God to continue to work in your life. Church, would you stand? And let's put our hands together for all those who said yes. To Jesus.